today's episode of the podcast is with Andrew Milton. Andrew has a really interesting YouTube channel called Parlogram Auctions, which is all about the Beatles on vinyl. Who doesn't want to listen to the Beatles on vinyl? Come on. Or just the Beatles anyway. Uh, he also sells Beatles records, so if anyone's after a rare Beatles record on vinyl, just check out his site, uh, parlogramauctions.com. We had a really interesting chat, talked about the Beatles, obviously, Scott Walker, among many other things, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Thank him for his time. Uh, on a side note, it's actually John Lennon's 40th anniversary of his passing, which is very unfortunate. We just realised that today. And uh, I guess it's nice to talk about the Beatles, because the Beatles bring a lot of joy to people, including myself. So enjoy, everyone. Hi there. Hello, there we go. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Perfect. Oh, that's good. Do I need to lower, higher, lower, smaller, lower? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I, I tried one of these with my microphone before and it didn't work, but I've got it all set up perfectly now. So. Oh, that's cool. That's it. Have you got a reel-to-reel at the back there? Yeah, it's a, it's a 60s Revox G36. Oh, wow. Mark III. I, I got it from a, an auction a few weeks ago, actually. Um, just really been on it for fun. I, I love reel-to-reels and I've got other ones as well. Yeah. And it's like unused. It's completely like still in the oh, box. Wow. So it's, it's uh, unfortunately, it's only a two-track and most of the tapes I have are four-track and yeah. it's a bit, it's a bit agricultural, but it's a great, it's a yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I'd love a reel-to-reel. <laughs> that's a bit of a, a weakness of mine. I've got, I've got another one, but it's, uh, um, yeah, I can't. I can't have too many because they they're very difficult to get working properly. Yeah, and yeah. They take up a lot of space, and they smell lovely. I mean, this sort of smells of valves and dust, and 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 my wife comes up. What's a horrible smell? And, <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful smell. Valves. <laughs> So, the, the wives it, don't understand they don't i know i'm, I'm sure you know as well so. i'm single hey i don't know that man well i i, I i'm in my little single den up here so you got the man she cave. understands you got so, the man cave exactly you need that hey? absolutely well it's my office and my and where i do all my work and stuff so it's my it's it's my little corner so do she's you, quite jealous of it really do you record music too your music? Um, no, I don't. I don't. Um, no, I, I I play guitar and things, but mm-hmm. but uh, no, I don't have the time to to mm. record stuff really. No, I you do. Obviously, I can see. Yeah, 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 yeah. For my sins. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had. Um, do you know Van Dyke Parks? Yeah, sure. I had him on a few days ago. All right, I see the pet sounds behind you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, I should have put a Beatles record up. I say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got my Beatles. I could put up. I could put my. Uh, I should put my. my oh, little, uh, this is, is an original real, real to real of. Oh shit! From, from the sixties. Fuck. I did a I did a video a while ago on Beatles real to reels, and this is one which came with the collection. Oh my and, god! Um, it sounds not too bad actually. It's only yeah. a very. It's a very slow speed three and three quarter inch. A second tape yeah but it's um it's got that sound which suits the album really that sort of muddy sort of far awayness but it's a it's a nice little thing so it oh, sounds wow. good on my my revox because it's two track mono and that's uh, amazing and that's it so wow. i thought i'd keep that one it's nice have you heard <laughs> the analog productions pet sounds sorry 
Have you heard the analog productions pet sounds? Violin? No, no, I haven't. No, oh, I don't. that is amazing. Yeah, it's. I'd love amazing. to go to one of the live shows. I mean, I think you went to one of the live ones, yeah. Uh, I've seen Brian a few times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I haven't but, uh, seen. No, him. it's it's it's. I've I've. They don't come. Nobody really comes to Austria, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> we used to get Chris de Berg and Tom Jones, but that's about as big as it got. Wow, living the living at large there, hey. <laughs> yeah, around the backwaters here. Yeah, so. Mm. so, how did you get into the Beatles? Because you see, you're definitely a massive, massive Beatles fan. I'm guessing, just a tad. What? Well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, like most people, I'm I, second, gen, second generation fan and I started off with my, my parents' record collection or my mother's. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when I was very young, picked up her Hard Day's Night and Help LPs and just played those. And and that's my first musical memories, really. You know, just playing the Beatles on a little Danset record player. And then when I was 10, I bought the, the Blue Album, 67 to 70. And um, yeah, so they all sort of, took off from there you know it was it was uh it was quite a sort of a lonely existence really at that time um being at school in the early 80s and nobody knew who the Beatles were you really know? They, they were like oh well they broke they broke up didn't they you know everyone was into scar and new wave and stuff and and there was obviously no online and no stuff and so it was a very sort of isolating place to be at that age, 13, yeah. 14, and the Beatles fan, because they were at their sort of lowest sort of ebb, if you like. And, um, you know, there was no one to talk to about it, no groups, no this and that. So I was sort of very much on my own and, and doing things by myself. And the only people who were, were on this level were the first generation fans. You know, they were older, obviously older, mm. and fairly intimidating, actually, you know, sort of. The, really? Yeah, so... It was it was a tough time, but you know it it sort of it sort of carried on, and I've I've sort of made it my job, if you like, now. So yeah. you know, and I'm quite happy to do that. I'm quite happy that happened. Yeah, the Beatles is kind of like it's a, it's its own little universe. I find it's you could get lost in it. Yeah, I mean, there's so many aspects of it. That's that's the beauty of it. There's so many things, so many places you can go, um, and if you're a collector early on you have to work out which part you're going to follow because you know if you say i'm going to collect everything you know everything then you're in for a really big job God, you know, yeah. and i know some people who have tried to collect everything every record from every country every plate every cup every moving doll you know yeah which is completely overwhelming so i stick to uk things original stuff and yeah and uh that sort of you know, what I tend to specialise and that tends to work quite well. Yeah. What's your favourite Beatles album? That's a hard question because it changes no, for me the, constantly. <laughs> the, the one that I'm listening to is... Yeah. <laughs> I'm always, it's always Revolver, Rubber Soul and Magical Mystery Tour. I don't know if Magical Mystery Tour is a proper album, but you know, it kind of is now, yeah. really. Well, this, this, this German one here. Yeah. I've got two of them here. Is this, if you want a, the best sounding one, this this one is the is the one. Yeah, I, was listen, I was listening to that in your podcast. You were saying that was the best sound in stereo, is it? Germans knew how to do stuff. Um, I don't know. It changes. It changes through your life. What your like? What your favorite album is? And I think it's changed through my life. My favorite album is. You know, yeah. I, used to, I started with the Hard Days Night and Help, and then you grow up and you you mature, tastes mature, and you sort of get to Revolver and into the white album and abbey road and so you know it it 
stages different stages in your life you like different albums you know so yeah um yeah. i don't know I, sta- I started with tomorrow never knows that was my kind of first kind of yeah more uh, like sentient of what i knew with the beatles actually no it wasn't free as a bird because it used to be always on like q some q channel <laughs> all the time and i was like <laughs> fuck and this is cool because when you know when, my memory of the beatles when i was young was like you'd go to a panto and people would be singing yellow submarine was that kind yeah. of vibe? Like the mm-hmm. Beatles are almost way bigger than they are now than when I was younger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, when I was just getting into them, it was in seventy nine, nineteen eighty, and of course I was just discovering all their music, and and then John Lennon was killed, and so that was a real that hit me really hard, you know, like like a lot of people, I guess. But it really sort of like I was just getting into it, and it was a it was it was a strange time it took me a long time to to sort of get around that but tomorrow never knows as you said is is a is a strange place to start because there's nothing really <laughs> else like that you go looking for more tomorrow never knows and it's on the same album as yellow submarine you know? yeah <laughs> when i first heard it i thought it was a remix because it sounded so modern i was like is this like a remix of a song because mm. uh, you know, I didn't know, and the you know, when you hear the mono version is way different than the stereo version. You know, the, mm-hmm. the back there's a lot more backward stuff and different stuff and all that. Yeah. that. So it's it's uh, I just love that song. That's one of my favorite Beatles song. Odd one, but yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's not an odd one. I, I, yes, I, it's there's the differences between the mono and the stereo, and there's the 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 the, the rare first day remix has a few little bits on it, bits on it. But that was again the beauty of the collecting the records. The mono and the stereo were different, and you would try and yeah. hear little bits that were different, and and that has a different vocal, it's a different guitar, and and that was another aspect to collecting which was exciting. You know, that was, that was so many so many things to discover. How many Beatles records do you have? I I don't personally have a lot. Oh really? I, mean, I, I, my, was, I thought you'd <laughs> my, shel- my shelves are stacked with um, the boneyard of of what I've had over the past twenty years. So I've got okay. like forty copies of Revolver down there in various conditions. Wow. Um, wow. So, but I don't see them as in my collection. It's I've got more Scott Walker records than I have Beatles records. I, think, I love Scott so. Walker. <laughs> so. Um, I, well, I don't know if you like Scott Walker. Whatever, oh, I but, love him. But um, I, I, that, I'd rather co- I collect his records with a passion. The Beatles is sort of a hobby job type of thing, and I sell things to other people. But um, if I was in my room, and I'd, I'd like to just sit and look at my Scott Walker records and listen to them. That's, really, that's, yeah. Um, I've got test pressings and acetates and promos and things of his. Oh. Um, and one of the nicest things I have is an acetate of Till the Band Comes In. Wow. And, it's all different mixes and it's in mono and wow. it's phew, fantastic thing. That documentary was great about him. 30th century, was it 30th, 30th century boy? 30th century man, yeah. 30th century man, yeah. It's a great yeah. documentary. Yeah. seen in the cinema when it was out however long ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. It's, yeah, it was. And, and it was, again, he's one of these, he was one of these mythical figures, although he was still around, he was just so elusive and mm. and any sort of tidbit of information you could get, he was in a commercial, he'd do this or he'd do a bond um, he did the strange Bond track at um, in the nineties, yeah. and and it was such an, and it was so gratifying. For, so well, not gratifying, but it was so nice. At the end of his life, he was at that Royal Albert Hall concert, um, and he saw that, and he saw all the artists do the cover versions and the beautiful orchestration that was in that, yeah. that piece, and he saw it, and he because he you know he hated 
listening to his own records. <laughs> yeah. He really just wouldn't do it. He, but he wouldn't mind other, other people doing them, but he just hated, he'd never listened to his own stuff. And he heard these songs as he recorded them, but with other voices. And it was reported he had, he had a huge smile on his face. He was so happy and, and would said, you know, what was I writing about, man? You know, what was that stuff? What was I on? Because he couldn't remember writing it at all. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was just such a nice way to end, you know, because it, it was a great show. And it was one of the regrets that I, I didn't go. You know, it was a, must have been a great evening. Did they play Farmer in the City? No, they, oh, they didn't. They stuck mostly to the first four or five, five albums. Oh, like Scott one, um, Scott two. And all but they got the orchestra spot on and all the arrangements were perfect. And although some of the, the singing was a bit dodgy and Jarvis Cocker and all this was... <laughs> stuff it was um it was a it was a, a, a triumph so but unfortunately I, I think some bits are on youtube but uh it's it's well worth watching there's a bowie song on that record the next day called heat and it's so because i know he loves scott walker it sounds so like scott walker like it's mm -hmm. unbelievably have you heard it yeah yeah, yeah. it's yeah, it, like it's, they were, yeah, they were very similar. I'm sure. I'm sure Bowie was took to Scott as took Scott as a big influence, and yeah. um, I don't know if, if Bowie influenced Scott. I don't think so. I don't think anybody influenced Scott. He was just his own man, wasn't he? Really. So maybe Tony Bennett or or one of the crooners early on, you know. But uh, yeah, it's it's weird where he came from and then where he ended up on a musical spectrum. It's like whoa, it's crazy. You're like what punching meat, you know. It's, yeah, well, he, he finally got to do what he wanted to do, and that was the main, great thing. He didn't have to sing Tony Hatch songs anymore and, and do that sort of stuff. You know, that was just to pay the bills. Yeah. He finally got the artistic freedom to do what he wanted. And um, but for the first, but until the mid 70s, he, he couldn't do that. You know, it was, they had no money. So he had to sing all this schmaltz and stuff, which he did <laughs> fantastically. Um, but you know, and then he made all this, those great albums at the end with the Sun Ra and and the Drift and all this sort of stuff, which are yeah. crazy intense to listen to. You oh, know? totally. You know, like, you've really got to be in the right frame of mind <laughs> to sort of sit yeah. down. Don't turn the lights off. Just <laughs> romantic dinner. Put on fish pot. <laughs> Yeah, I could never share that sort of music with my wife. Yeah, look, sit down, and listen to this with me. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like musically, I view that as music that it's like for art or something like that. It's not, you know, I would never go, go and have a walk on the beach and be listening to Scott Walker. I'd probably yeah. jump in the sea, you know. It's pure art, isn't it? It really is yeah. just, just an artist making art. You know, it's mm. not, not background music. It's not music to dance to. It's not music to sort of... It's just to like sit and listen to it. That's all you can do with it. It's, yeah. it's just pure, pure art. And it's, it's great. I mean, I don't listen to it a lot, but I, and it's nice to know it's there, you know, yeah. it exists. Um, yeah. I have to listen to the Beatles every day. So that's, <laughs> you know. Did you, what did you think of those, the seven inch box set that came out last year? That was great. I, it's, it's over there. I, maybe, can you see it? Yeah, it's over yeah, there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wasn't going to, I saw it when it first came out. I thought, nah. I'm not buying this rubbish, you know. It's like I've got the singles, you know. What, what's going to buy this? And I didn't buy it for a long time. Then I started making the videos, and I thought, well, I'll make a video about it. And if it's yeah. rubbish, I'll say so. Um, and a lot of people said it was rubbish, and they said, oh, it sounds terrible. It's distorted. It's it sounds really rough. So I got it, and it and I compared it with the original single. And it sounds just like the original singles. Right. The original singles sound rough, and it sounds yeah. just like them. And yeah. it's such, it's a really authentic 
sounding set you know so i say to anyone who wants to know what the original single sounds like get the box so uh, it's sound warts and all it's apart from love me do and please please me which are different mixes yeah the rest of it sounds just like the originals good yeah bad, and different you know? and as, as it gets towards the end it actually doesn't sound as hot it's not as hot no. sound wise instead when the stereo came in after um uh What's this? Uh, so Ballad Johnny Yoko was the first stereo. Yeah, once they get to the late '60s, it's it's good. But the early singles were cut so hot to sound loud on the systems that they had back then, so yeah. they had to really cut them really loudly. And and um, you know, I, I've got another set which I'm going to do another video on the '82 set, and there's some '76 singles as well, which were cut with a different aesthetic in mind. They were cut to sound good '70s and '80s, you know. Uh, so I'm going to do a video on those and compare those because they sound very different. You know, they're a lot more toned down and whatever. Yeah, you know, sometimes those they put the smiley face on on some of our records and it sounds terrible. Yeah, I, I've just done a video on the on the mobile fidelity set. I was that I was listening to that. Set. That's yeah, I was listening to that. With that, and it seems like in the in the late seventies, early eighties, everybody wanted to sort of wanted beige and hessian and stuff and it all wanted sort of comfort for the ears and nothing to offend all this audiophile stuff is cut very loud uh, soft and yeah smiley face and um yeah yeah it's just all a bit too safe it was it was nice sounding at a certain volume on certain equipment yeah. but you know there's this it's just fluff you know it's i don't know i, I don't know if, if you uh, audio file stuff. Musicians generally aren't audio files. Oh, I'm an audio file. <laughs> you are, yeah. I'm as anal as they come. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Well, what what do, what do you think about them? What's um of like smiley face EQs? Yeah, well, that sort of audio file series from that sort of these. The uh, it can be a bit clinical that kind of thing for me. You know, mm. like I I I'm an audio file. In the sense of that, like, if so, like for me, Talk Talk Spirit of Eden is an audiophile record. Like, that sounds phenomenal. Talk Talk, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And a lot of kind of, like, we say Steely Dan and that kind of stuff. But I'm not too, I'm not as bad as I was, I think, you know, kind of super clean. As, I, as mm -hmm. I've, I used to be, like, really bad when I'd be like, oh, it has to be super clean and super this. And then that it can be too clinical, you know. It's like you take the, it takes the umph out of the music in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's exactly what this this mobile fidelity stuff does. It sort of, you know, just I think when I was younger, I used to like do that on my on my amplifier, turn the bass up, turn the treble up, put the loudness on, and you'd get this sort of sound. And yeah. as you sort of grow up, you sort of like discover the mid range, you know, <laughs> that's and it's it. like that's what you would turn down initially. But now you sort of wow, it sounds better with that. And and yeah, again, it's a, it's a just a sign of your listening maturing, you know, how you different albums sound different and and that sort of stuff i mean pet sounds i mean that they have to a dcc or copy of this of that mm. sort of like a copy directly from the master tape very flat and initially you think oh it doesn't sound very good you know it's, it's like where's that in there? but it's purity it's it's and you have to learn to sort of deal with that learn to sort of like that and adjust yeah. your listening beatles records aren't very audiophile a lot of the early ones so but they have an energy you know that's that's what they were made for yeah know. the 2014 masters i think sound definitely the later albums sound really good the 14 ones uh the mono ones yeah yeah the mono boxer is 
is is very is very close and i'm always saying in the videos that's the one to get again it's it, something else which i just thought oh, i don't need that i've got the original you know, but <laughs> yeah. i thought well i'll get it because it has nice sleeves and i'm so glad i did and a lot yeah. of people regret not getting it because it's like a thousand pounds these days you yeah. can't get one for a thousand pounds i i regret it i was so broke when it came out first i was living in dublin and, and i was like yeah. ah, i'll get it whenever and then i was like shit this is gone what the fuck is like just can't get it. <laughs> i have a few of this i have a good few of the singles i have like i think i have three or four copies of revolver because i was like oh, i'll mm -hmm. just buy them because it seems mm -hmm. you're going out of thing and i said ah, i'll keep them and you know but yeah mm -hmm. I, I i don't have maybe i'm missing five i think so that kills okay. me kills yeah, me to this day <laughs> yeah you you'll, you'll pick them up i'm sure they're around but it, it's it's a great sounding set and they did everything just right and um, what everybody, of course, wants them to do is do the same with the stereo. Mm. Um, I don't have a, a 2012, but actually I've got a 2012 box coming this week. Um, I didn't initially want it because I heard it wasn't very good, but I've, I want to buy it to do a video on it to say it isn't very good. You know? <laughs> it's not bad. I, ha I have them all because they, were, they put out these, it was like, a, what is it, like a week, a monthly thing where they put out Beatles oh, the Agostini. that's so, the one yeah. that's the one mm. so it was just, they were just the, the 2012 ones and some of mm. them sound you know they are they are what they are I just can't stand like listening to drums on one speaker and a vocal and it's oh, it does my head in man so mono <laughs> for me all the way <laughs> yeah I, again I, that's that's another um, idea I keep getting these ideas of videos that's <laughs> in my head at the middle I'm gonna I'm gonna get the 2012 box. Sorry, get the 2012 box. Take it out, throw the rest in the bin, and fill the box up with which I think pressing is supposed to go in there. Like this this German magical mystery tour and the German please please me and the, mm, I've got a I've got a oh, where is it this one this one I just picked up recently. It's a let me see it's a it's a Nimbus. Oh, that was um, in that big box that you got full of stuff. Yeah, that's right. This is a. This was a 1984 Nimbus were, were a mastering company based in Wales and they, they were in charge of mastering the first CDs that came out in the 80s. And uh, they were very big on classical stuff. And, and um, you could order, you can get this copy through Hi-Fi magazine or something for like 10 pounds or something oh. at the time. And oh. it was cut directly from a, um, a 30 inch per second one-to-one -one copy of the master tape without anything added very pure wow. um so i haven't played it yet i'm i'm gonna play it record it compare it and cool. with a stack of other different <laughs> copies i've got behind me so it was it was really interesting that video you did about the magical mystery tour i never knew that they sent those tapes they had like copies of a copy of <laughs> jesus christ well I, I think by the time that album came out in in the uk in 78 Everything had changed. Management had changed. Office staff had changed. So nobody really knew the history of what was going on. Mm. And so they thought, oh, we need this magical mystery. It's an American album. We'll get it from America. And not knowing that, you know, they had all the tapes next door in the next room. You know, they could have just put them together. But yeah. they thought, oh, we've got to get the album. Don't know why they did that. So, and of course, yeah, when MFSL wanted it, they asked for... The British tape, which was a copy of their tape, which is originally a copy of their tape. So it was a monumental mess up, you know. Was... Wow. Do, do you like the remix albums? Um, I, I've listened to the, the I've had the White Album and Sergeant Pepper and Abbey Road. 
I, no, not really. I, 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 they're interesting exercises, let's put it that way. But I listened to them once and thought, mm, okay, well, I, I enjoy the outtakes more. Mm. Um, but the problem is I listen to these albums so often that anything else sounds like wrong. Right, you know? right. Um, I mean, I have to, I, everything I've sell, I I play. So that's that's a lot of time listening and and whatever. And sometimes you end up not listening to the music. You're listening for the clicks and the groove wear and the the faults rather than the music. But yeah. when the remixes came, I thought, well, okay, it sounds really really different. And it's I don't personally like it very much, but yeah, it's a it's a just a an interesting experiment. You know, do you like them? I like the White Album. I, I, it's, that's the weird thing. I never really liked the White Album as an album. I know that sounds awful because I thought it could no. should have been one album. There's a lot of stuff that's questionable on it. Mm. And when I listened to the remix, for whatever reason, I really started liking it more than I ever liked it. I don't know why, but I just did. So there's something in the The Pepper one is a bit meh. Yeah, not too. Yeah, no, Pepper was too. I mean, Pepper is is perfect as it is. The White Album is a not a very good sounding original pressing. It's 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 um. There's a lot of information on one side. It's very compressed. It's the grooves are very shallow, so it's not cut very loud. And they put them in uh, black inner sleeves in the original copies, and these matte black inner sleeves they scratch the hell out of them. Really? So it's nearly impossible to find a and a first mono pressing especially that isn't either groove worn it's always groove worn in the same places and oh. scratched with the marks of these inner sleeves so the the remix is good for that you can actually hear the music but the first pressings that are so are, are not really that good to listen to the, some oh. of the 70s stereo ones are good but the first pressings are nah, really rough very rough pressings how did you get system. how did you get into selling and collecting Beatles stuff to sell because it's a very niche thing I'm sure well I, I used to when I was younger go to jumble sales and, and things okay. you know and you'd pick up you could pick up this stuff for like 50p you know when it was really? in, the, in the early 80s or whatever because people were getting um, people who that generation were throwing out all their 60s stuff as oh as like a few years ago you'd go to a Oxfam now and they'll all be throwing out their 90s stuff it was just that step back and so all this was like being chucked out because it was pretty worthless and I'd, I'd buy them and listen to them and I'd, I'd sort of start selling them through the back of record collector magazine which oh, I discovered okay. um just after it came out so I thought oh that's okay you know I can do that make some money and I did that for a while and then other stuff got in the way and I traveled and went round and whatever um, and when I came back to Austria, I sort of eBay started and I started collecting again. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll build up a nice collection of first pressing albums for myself. So I did that and I kept upgrading, you know, as you do, getting a better copy, replacing that. Like, what am I going to do with this copy? I've just upgraded. Well, I'll, I'll sell it, you know? Right. And so that's how it sort of started, you know, selling it doubles. And then, uh... okay. You can do that. And then other people um, said, oh, can you sell your rec my records for me? You know, and oh, cool. so I, most of the records I sell now are from other collectors who send things to me. And, um, you know, because it's a it's a lot of work for people who don't have the time and it's risky and it's, you know, so much. So I mostly I do that now, which is good. So yeah. I don't have to buy them. 
<laughs> shipping is always the weird thing for me because like I'm so if anything has like even if the jacket has a crease in it it drives me daft I'm like oh my god I'm, I'm so I'm really bad OCD so it's just I'm just like oh god no <laughs> just no no I, I know I know what you mean yeah I mean corners are my things corners yeah the corners oh. corners if you look at a record and it has a great corner the rest of it's usually pretty good you know? yeah um yeah the bottom shelfware corners stuff you know and and the people I sell to, this is really important to. I mean, it can make such a difference. If you've got a dinged corner, mm. it can knock zeros off the record. You know, it's just, it's because for a record to survive 50, 60 years in new condition is, you know, blows the mind. Really, if you yeah. think about it, if you have your records and you, oops, you drop it. <gasps> yeah. You know, yeah. So corners and, and condition is so important that a, a perfect copy of Sergeant Pepper with perfect corners and whatever, that's maybe a thousand pound record, you know? Wow. But, you know, with, with ding corners and a bit of creasing, excellent condition, maybe 40 pounds. You know, the, the difference is just so astronomical, you know, because right. people want the best. Yeah. The best copy of your favorite album, that's what they want. Yeah. Um, What's the biggest gem you've found that you're like oh my god this is unbelievable to find it finding it or or buying it <laughs> both <laughs> uh, um sometimes you get you buy lots of records and sometimes you get nice things in it um finding stuff mm. i had a an it wasn't really a find but i had an acetate of a, an early beatles song called what goes on Oh. Um, which they recorded in 1960. Well, they recorded a demo of it in 1963. It's one of John Lennon's first songs, and it eventually ended up on the Rubber Soul album um, with different words. Ringo wrote some words, and they reworked the tune a bit. Um, but I, I bought this acetate from uh, a major auction house, actually, and but they didn't really sort of list it properly. You know, they they didn't do the homework on it, and and people thought, oh, it's just a demo from Rubber Soul, but it was actually John Lennon and Paul McCartney singing to a guitar and piano in early 1963. And it was planned as a follow-up to From Me To You. They were going to do this song, oh. um, um, What Goes On. And it's not, it's not everybody's favourite Beatles song, let's put it politely. <laughs> <laughs> if, that, if that had come out as a single, things would have been different anyway it was a different version and it was it was a historical find of, of wow. great importance and and i sold it eventually um to a collector in uh, in italy and that's where it resides on my oh. computer and down. <laughs> do, do you ever regret selling anything you're like oh i shouldn't have sold that one um no, I, I don't think so. No, Beatles not because it's the music which is the main thing. If I, you know, I don't regret selling any any artifact. I mean, I, I don't think so. No, because the music's always there, and that's basically what it's all about. You know, the music. If I have a nice, here, Sergeant Pepper and Mono on a nice clean copy, that's doesn't matter what it is. So I don't think I regret selling anything. As maybe I regret selling something and it didn't go for as much money as I thought it would. Yeah. Um, but letting go of something now if maybe if i if i sold my scott walker test pressings i'd regret that because i know i couldn't get that again yeah but i could get maybe a mint copy of sergeant pepper somewhere yeah yeah i get what you um, mean because nothing's rare it's just expensive you know yeah, especially with beatles like you were saying earlier those box sets now like they're thousand five hundred pounds 
Yeah, it's, it's crazy they haven't redone them. I mean, well, they, it's a big operation, but uh, yeah, they're they're thousand thousand pounds or something, and they still sell. You know, yeah, I don't know how they haven't redone them because Apple are such money grubbers. Like, you know, they'll <laughs> they'll do anything for a bit of cash. Yeah, it's it's you can't second guess them. You don't know what I don't know what's going on in their their head. I don't know. It's it seems to be uh, they've they've done it, and well, I don't know. They always want to move on to something else. You know, yeah. they t- tend not like the Beatles. They tended not to go backwards. They always want to go go to the next thing, the next thing. Yeah. So whatever the next thing is, I don't know. Yeah, where do, like they can't. <laughs> I don't know how far they can go. Like, uh, like what more can they do? Apart from just remixing all the records, I don't know. it depends who wants to buy it. You know, this is the thing that I've yeah. noticed with the with the market of the records. I mean, when I first started selling in the early two thousands on eBay, um, lots of people buying, lots of people selling. But you know, the, the first generation fans are now passing away, and their collections are coming out. And the market for the things that I sell or watch my YouTube videos are older people generally. Right. 60s in their 60s or whatever and once that generation goes is there enough people below them to come and a start collecting the records uh, and b start buying beatles products yeah so you know i'm I'm second generation so i'm doing it now but is are the people below younger than me gonna come and do it with the same yeah passion if you like i don't know you know yeah, that was that was the joy of eBay when it kind of first started kicking off. You'd find some like just gems on there. Like I got so oh, yeah. much recording equipment that yeah was so cheap, and like now it's like astronomical. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, I, you've either got to be really lucky or or you know to get in one place one time. But it's what happened to Elvis is a is a perfect example. Man, when I first started collecting, Elvis was the king. He was like the top prices everything was expensive everything was, everybody wanted elvis first pressings now you can't give them away you know everybody really? stopped collecting elvis maybe the sun stuff maybe the very early stuff but everything else is junk because the collectors have all gone the people who grew up with elvis and are, are passing away and nobody's replacing them um mm. the young people are not just in elvis you know <laughs> so the beatles have, have to a certain extent missed that thing and they've carried on another generation whether they can another generation is 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 debatable i know but but yeah elvis sadly is is the collecting building <laughs> yeah apart from you, it, you know, as i said the sun stuff the really great stuff everybody still wants that that but you know sound film soundtracks later albums now nothing it's just and you see it in the auctions you see elvis collection you know 500 albums of elvis some old ladies elvis collection 10 pounds you know it's nothing wow it's just, nobody wants it <laughs> what do you what do you think of the vinyl resurgence um that's been going on a while now isn't it so, yeah yeah you know, but I, I don't know i think it's it's sort of here to stay really i i, I think there's uh i think the sort of the, the hipness of it has worn off but it, it, it everyone's accepted it now and, yeah um, yeah i th- i think it's it's a uh, people I have young daughters. I mean, my daughters are 17 and, and 12. And I keep saying to them, you have nothing, you have this music on your phone. You have nothing physical to hold yeah. on to. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do? Um, so I think it, it just fills that gap, having something physical to have, you know, which is, which is important for music. I mean, you have a music room stacked with records. You, you know, yeah. And it's, 
it's a cool thing bringing you know taking a record out and reading the liner notes and putting it on you you have to physically get up to turn the record yeah. so you're kind of already more involved in it in that aspect it's just but I, I think young people well, I mean my daughters don't don't have the patience for it really I mean they're used to finding a song on the phone I want to listen to that song that song that song the the idea of listening to an album yeah. is you got to sit down for 15 minutes and listen to five songs by the same artist you know and that's that's becoming the thing you know that mm. everyone wants to just flick around and da, 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 and not have the patience to sit down and listen to something yeah. um so i hopefully that doesn't doesn't go away but you know that's that's the that's the thing you know that's that's sad for me because the album is such a important thing well i think it was more than it is now you know years ago it was more i think it had more of a cultural aspect and now it's very music is almost not fleeting but it's it's doesn't have the importance that it used to in the the cultural sphere i think no absolutely no it's become totally disposable it's free you don't have to pay for it it was so precious when you had to buy it um and you had to save up for it or you had to sort of luckily come across it on the radio but now it's just so disposable you can get anything anytime anywhere and you don't have to spend any money on it and that's yeah. it's lost its value in a way yeah it's sad and like so you know you get really get royalty checks sometimes for spotify and it's like not point not not seven cent for a song play and you're like this is you know someone's making yeah. money off it but it ain't the yeah. musicians and you realize how lucky the musicians in the 60s and 70s were you know they were making they were making sort of uh, doing tours to promote records. Now they do records to well the other way around. The touring is the big thing. The records are the side sideshow now. You know, it's all live music is where the money comes from. You know, and it's not yeah. records, and you can't sell a million. Beatles were, were having a, advance orders for a million copies of something. You know, so for, crazy. for one of their singles, it's uh, you know, one million copies of advance orders for "Can't Buy Me Love." Now you can get to number one with what three or four thousand sales. You know. It's, <laughs> It's madness. It's so crazy. I mean, Sergeant Pepper, Sergeant Pepper sold a quarter of a million copies in its first month. You know, it's it's such a different thing these days. It's incredible. Yeah, they 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 lucked out because they had that forever money, and now you're lucky if you have a year out of doing anything. And plus, record labels they want you to sign three sixty deals now. You know, they used to never uh -huh. take merch off you or like your touring revenue, but now they make you sign a 360 deal so they get everything out of you. So it's like, Jesus. Wow. <laughs> the wow, grind nice. of it. Yeah, it, it, I mean, there was bad contracts back then, but but still, I mean, now it's it's, it's even worse, you know, so. Yeah. The, like, the old guys, you know, the Beach Boys and Paul McCartney, you know, they're just how lucky they were, you know. I know, I remember reading a book on Brian Wilson and they were saying in the book, it was saying that Every week he'd be getting in checks and stuff to sign that it'd be for like half a million dollars, mm -hmm. and he'd be just like oh, whatever, you know. Like, it was just yeah. they were making just so much money, and they were still getting robbed by the record label. Yeah, and their father sold the <laughs> sold the rights and stuff. Yeah, and, Murray. You know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, just, it's, it's terrible. Yeah, in the Brian. Beatles, where money was going out of Apple and stuff, it was you know it's just monopoly money, you know. And yeah. These days, it's it's just so different. So you know, the the fact that all these all these records they sold all these records, they're still here, but in the the artists of today, what's going to be left in fifty years of them? Yeah, a yeah, file on a cloud somewhere, and that's it. Yeah, because if the world uh, kind of uh, not the world, sorry, <laughs> if the internet goes, 
yeah. what you know where what, what music have you have you know yeah. if it's not physical you're kind of screwed in a lot of ways yeah i know it's it's like having a room full of records having a room full of books i mean you know so i'd i'd love to sort of have a i don't have a huge collection but a, a room full of records is, is such a, an amazing thing you know it's, it's yeah yeah, but uh, a big, a huge, a huge phone with loads of songs on it is not the same thing. So. Yeah, yeah, and you kind of, a lot of kids have ADHD with music. They listen to twelve, like twelve seconds of a song, and they go, "Oh, the next one," and you're like, "What?" The yeah, heck? I know. Yeah, my my daughter's the same. I'd show her my YouTube video, and ten seconds, you're bored. <laughs> so, well, it's not for you, dear. It's for older gentlemen with a longer attention span. Than you. <laughs> <laughs> because why are you putting these titles on there? Twenty-five seconds long, and so yeah, I know. Well, people, people, old people used to like theme tunes and stuff, and titles of TV shows, not just. Dum, 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 dum. So I don't, how, I don't how long do does it take you to edit your videos? Because they're, they're very well done. Um, thanks. Um, not not too long. Not too. Long. It's the bit I like doing most, but I'm I'm still learning about it because I'm not so getting the sound right, getting the, the picture right, and I'm changing in every video. So it it's a progression. But it, the longest part is writing it. I have to write the script and, yeah. and research it. Once you once you've got the the audio and the video done, putting it together is quite quite quick. You know, that's, that takes a day. So you know, but it, it's a long time. The computer takes a long time to render it, of course. But uh, but. Editing doesn't take long. Maybe it shows. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. I really like it. I think it's really cool. Thanks. Uh, well, I, I, I'm conscious of doing a, a certain style. Um, when I watch some 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 YouTubers, they either sit on the floor or whatever and sit there with a pile of records and go through them and just talk. And, yeah. and you know, I, I, I want a sort of like an old style news report or something like a documentary like you know tomorrow's world or something something yeah yeah, you know, yeah. it's a bit a bit serious you know so yeah you know like it's it's been done properly so what would i want to watch you know maybe that's not everybody's cup of tea but um you know i i, I don't want it i don't want fast cuts i don't want this i don't want that i want to see what i'm what he's talking about i want to hear a bit something that's interesting something i didn't know before and i want it to sort of sound all right yeah you know so. yeah do you find yourself you learn loads more about the Beatles that you never knew about by researching. Yeah, yeah. And, and and you do. You think you know everything, but you don't. It's it's like when when I'm um, putting something together on a video, I think, well, people know that, don't they? That's that's, that's general knowledge. And then you find out there are actually people who don't know <laughs> what you know. You know, yeah. they they know less, and you know quite a lot. And you think, well, yeah, okay. That's... And so, yeah, I mean. There's so much stuff to learn. There's so many little. I'm doing this this Nimbus thing at the moment. I'm just working at learning about how, that company and and um, other pressings. Like there was an Australian pressing the year before, which was a real big audiophile thing as well, because it seems in the early '80s, Apple was still in a bit of a mess, and anyone right. could sort of have a Beatles tape. You know, the MFSL. Oh. The uh, um, they sent them to Australia. They copy. If you were an audiophile company, they would copy you a tape and send it to you, and you could put it out. But now it's like you can't even be in the same room as the Beatles tapes. You know, it's a special team and you're chosen people. But back then in the early 80s, there were, anyone could have them, you know? It was yeah. a strange thing. I, I seen McCartney put out that Flaming Pie um, reissue. It was, a, it was so expensive, though. It was like just huge, like just 10 vinyls or whatever the hell, you know, overdone kind of job trying to get a bit of cash. 
they're just plugging into these people who must have everything. And there's, there's people like that. I, I mean, I, I did buy it just a normal album because I, I never actually heard the record before. Oh, did I, you know? I, I, was, I was out of popular music in the late 90s. I was, I was being bohemian in Prague and stuff. <laughs> I wasn't listening to <laughs> Paul McCartney for a start. So um, I, I thought, well, I'd just buy the normal album. It was all right, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's nothing special. Calico Skies is a cool song. That's a great song. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was nice. I I like uh, that era. I like best. I think "No More Lonely Nights" was a great song. Yeah, that's cool. That's I mean that's that's such a. I mean he he never plays it on stage or anything, and it's it was such a great song. David Gilmour on guitar. Yeah, it was. uh, It was a a great great song before the Broad Street thing, which really (laughs) sort of made him uncool. Um, But that was his last great song, I think. The tug of war, then into into um, "No More Lonely Nights" and. That was it yeah. for me. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Chaos and Creation in the Garden is a fantastic record. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did get that one. Yeah, I did get that one. Yeah, I remember. remember that I did was get a that great one. Great record. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But his newer yeah. ones are naff. I'm like, oh god. I haven't bought anything else since. I watch all the videos. That, hey, it's coming out. It's. I don't even think I'll get McCartney three. I don't think. I'll. Yeah, I'm kind of in defense about that one. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I, even when I bought McCartney two, it was like the first album I ever bought. It was like. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> Some bits I like on here. And that's... So I don't know, but he he has a he has a such a drive to be still relevant. He's still he, I think he's scared of not being relevant anymore. You know, and he's always yeah. wants to be on with Taylor Swift on the front cover of this. Yeah. He wants to. And I, there's that's a bit. Hmm, there's something know. cringy about McCartney, like hey, kind of thing. You're like, oh, dude. Yeah. Like it. Yeah. He was always a bit naff thumbs up anyway and, and now he's doing it with his arm around taylor swift and this time like, oh, it's, it's you know nah, yeah nah, it's, it's, yeah he should grow be more bit more graceful in this old age maybe. i think if lennon saw him he'd be like paul carpon <laughs> oh, yeah exactly yeah 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 i hate to think what he'd say what what do you know anything about like the weird relationship paul and john had or not paul and john sorry Paul and George, it seemed like they had this weird falling out over in the 80s and it just trickled until he passed away, even though McCartney would probably say otherwise. But it always I think they like... always had a always had a love-hate relationship, I think. You know, right. he was always, George was always, Paul was always telling George what to do from a very early age, I think. And, um, you know, George always resented that. And it, mm. it's, it's never as clear as it is in the anthology where he's, <sighs> you know, you know, and and you could see he he they, he tolerates Paul, you know, and he obviously respects him, but you know, I don't think he really sort of sort of got on with him ever, really. Yeah. I think you know, I think they both respected each other, but but it's it's but it, well, the dynamic between them is is so uncomfortable to watch, you know, and it's Ringo's in the middle playing the peacemaker, and they're both <laughs> sitting there like that, you know, and it's, it's yeah, it's uncomfortable, uncomfortable. Because you can see them even when they're sitting outside playing the ukuleles and McCartney always has to get the last kind of word in, whatever, you're like, okay. And George is ignoring him, you know, <laughs> carrying on and like, da, 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 da. do you remember that, George? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and obviously Paul's not used to that sort of treatment from anybody. And you can see he's yeah. a bit miffed about it, you know, because he's he's used to everybody smiling at him and saying, you're great, Paul. And I think George is one of the only people who just say, oh, get lost, you know, messing around. <laughs> You know, and 
<laughs> George is like he says when he walked into the house, is that are those vegan 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 leather jacket, Paul? Is that <laughs> <laughs> always poking his finger in his ribs? You know, always like you know. yeah. And the, he kind of only did that anthology because he needed a bit of cash. I heard. Yeah, I, I think he was always low on, low on cash and stuff. I, mean, I was reading the other day that that um, very early on in the, in the partnership when they set up the Beatles, they Lennon and McCartney consciously made a, a, a decision to to not credit George on the songs. You know, oh. it was a, it's like we're not going to do it. It's just going to be awful. you and me, and George is not going to get it, even though he obviously contributed the solos and and whatever. But they said, "Why well, we're not doing it? It's just us two. You know, and of course years ago years later he would lost lost money on it and stuff and and he had yeah. his handmade films he was doing lots of projects and things and and you know he wasn't flush with cash as as yeah. they are but it made him do interesting things traveling traveling wilburys and stuff and it forced the him ruttles. out there yeah. <laughs> the ruttles <laughs> it did yeah and, and i was lucky enough to see his his last british concert at the royal albert hall the oh cool actual law party um in 92 was it i think it was 92 and um friend who I was working for got some tickets and we sat we stood in like the fourth row of um of the show and uh, there was Gary Moore Ringo came on to play and Gary Moore Eric Clapton they're all there like just there it's like amazing there's a video on on a YouTube channel of mine of of that bits of that concert you can just see the back of my head and you're just (laughs) looking at me we've got that camera he thought i had the camera because the camera was behind me and he's looking for the camera and in those days the cameras are like this <laughs> Does he just... the guy behind me was filming and he was looking at me security <laughs> were like but um yeah in those days no, there's the only one camera in the whole of the albert hall you know that was it uh, so what I mean, what records now that art and beatles records are kind of the most sought after records it's, I mean, the groups in the nineties are really big. Smiths. I mean, there was an auction oh. of, a while ago. A lot of Smith stuff that that goes for a lot of money now. Um, punk stuff. Um, not really Oasis. I thought Oasis would come round again and get big, but they haven't really sort of gone yeah. back to their. They're still at the bottom of their yeah. thing. Um, a lot of stuff from the 90s is the vinyl from the 90s is rare because it didn't sell obviously mm. um bowie is still big behind you as well um i always find it weird how the beach boys are never really collectible they're, they're, you can weird. pick up their original albums for nothing yeah you know, it's such great music and they're not rare you know nobody nobody really wants them it's yeah or, or it, wants to pay a lot of money for them i th- i think the problem with the beach boys was that you know in the 80s they became like the you know you see them playing with like Ronald Reagan at the you know it's you know that kind of they look like golfers yeah you know that kind of yeah they became a yeah a joke of what they you know when I first got into the Beach Boys I got into Pet Sounds that was the first Beach Boys record I got into and I was like, fuck, this is amazing. And then when I went back the way, I'm like, what? You know, it, it's, th- that's the idea, whatever. When you say to people, the Beach Boys, they think surfing. They don't think yeah. pet sounds. Maybe yeah, now it's, I think it's changing a bit more because you always hear like God only knows and wouldn't it be nice in, in you know, uh, 
TV shows, but... I thought you were going to say supermarkets. (laughs) 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 But, um, yeah... Mm. Like, no, I agree. Uh, they were actually, actually, they were here in Linz in Austria um, in the 80s. I think they did exactly that sort of thing, the, the flowery shirts and the baseball caps and Mike Love going, uh, I mean, he's not the great ambassador for the Beach Boys. Anyway, no, no. There's, um, a, there's a guy called Peter Ames Carlin who had this, he's a, he's a brilliant book about Brian Wilson. And, um, I had read his book years ago and I, I got him on the podcast. But, you know, he was telling me that they've, since the mid 70s after that greatest hits uh, Endless Summer came out when they kind mm-hmm. of it propelled them back in they've been playing the exact same set list nearly that since the 70s yeah. the, start on the same song end on the same song yeah they stopped creating because they did all that interesting stuff Holland and all these sort of things yeah. and that was interesting progression and 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 that sort of stuff and 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 then it all went and the, and the Beach Boys Love You which was sort of crazy sort of quite pure as well you know that was, that was great I like that and um yeah, and I always remember when I lived in Prague, they came to Prague in 69, I think. They were one of the only Western bands that played um, yeah. in, in Prague. A part of that tour they were doing doing there, and uh, you could always find their records in, in Prague and stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the Beach Boys, and, and, and the music is just such an incredible oh. thing. I watched groups like I watched, I think, Fender Tones or whatever. They, were, they recreate the sound of these... Yeah. songs perfectly and you see the intricacy and the beauty of all this this music you know and it's um but as far as vinyl and collecting goes then unless it's a mint copy of pet sounds then everything else is really yeah not really valuable at all which is I, good I, if you're a collector yeah the, uh, those like i said here those analog production records that they redid a few years ago they sound unbelievable because they did them all from the master's tape and kevin no oh, What's his name? Kevin Gray. The Kevin Gray. Yeah, he did the amazing master engineer. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's done all those tone poet blue note records now, which sound phenomenal. Mm, yeah, jazz. Stuff. I mean, you're a big jazz guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's some something that's, that's waiting for me. I feel oh, <laughs> when I stop doing this, man. Um, once once you go, once you get into it, it's like it's like the you know, it's like anything. You know, it's just know, another it's, world you go into. So my my friend's a big jazz jazz collector and whatever, and I and he I see all the stuff and he shows me and I'm like, wow, that's so great, but it's it's such a big pool to get into, you know. And I once I dip my toe, I'd be in, you know. So oh yeah, you get in because you know yeah. you read the back, you're like, oh, he played bass on this, and then he's got his own album, and then he played drums with him, and then you yeah. know, it's just everything's like connecting to each other, and yeah, that, that's the cool thing though with Blue Note. Like I know that when the when those Tone Pod came out records. I hadn't heard half of them and I was just like, I just bought it because I knew I'd, I'd just like it. Whereas if I was buying some random rock record, it could be pretty bad. You know, that's <laughs> that's the difference. If it's on Blue Note, you're okay. It doesn't doesn't matter at all. You know? Yeah. And like a lot of those were recorded in um, Rudy Van Gelder's parents' house at the start. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. A, you know, and they just sound phenomenal. Like It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, now, totally one one day I'll get a I'll get a collection of those. So it's, I will. <laughs> so what what's the, what's the next video you're putting up? Uh, next one is this um, Sergeant Pepper comparison. Um, people sending me sort of strange strange sort of suggestions of things to do. Um, I've got quite a big list. I mean, I've got singles. Um, I've got the 2012 box set to do. There's this this Sergeant Pepper to do. Um, do something on the Red and the Blue albums. I mean. 
I've got a, a huge list of, of stuff and it's, it's developed it to more of an audio file thing. I started it as a sort of collector's thing. Yeah. But um, more people are interested in the sound. I think right. it's, it's, you've got Beatles records, but you want the best sounding Beatles. People are always trying to find some other dimension in the music to discover. And once you've got the original pressing, you want the best sounding one. And that's to have the best sounding pressing of your favorite album is, is like what everybody wants. So, you know, if you can help them find that, it's difficult on YouTube because you can't say, hey, listen to this. And you can play them a sample yeah. <clears throat> because a YouTube doesn't <clears throat> excuse me, allow it and B it would sound horrible over YouTube anyway, because of the compression <laughs> and stuff, you wouldn't know the difference. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm constantly fighting with people saying, you know, stop talking and play it. <laughs> like, Can't, you know, so, but just pretend you're down the pub talking with your mate about sound quality, you know, that's, yeah. And it's, it's subjective anyway. What I think is, is not what somebody else would think, you know. So, are you always going to do it on the Beatles, or are you going to go start doing little tidbits of other things? Um, I don't know if I know other stuff so well. I mean, I could do Scott Walker one, I suppose. That'd be cool because I've some horrible questions of Scott Walker around. So <laughs> oh, really? Easy yeah. to do. And there's, there's there's that one series that came out a few years ago, Four Men with Beards. They reissued the <clears throat> the Scott Walker sets, and they're meant to sound horrible. Right. So, um, that would be quite easy to do, but uh, so I, I don't know if I get time. The Stones things, people say, should I do a Stones one? But the Stones sound quality is, is, is even more. It's the Stones and sound quality don't really go together, you know. Let's put it that way. It's not yeah. great sounding Stones album. Yeah. So I don't know, but there's so many things Beatle wise to do. I don't think I'm 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 going to get through everything. <laughs> yeah, there's just so much stuff like there is cassettes tapes picture discs and and does the picture disc sound any good the colored vinyl does that sound any good it's supposed to sound good it's, there's so <laughs> many you know the brazilian copy sounds great but the venezuelan copy sounds terrible and uh, <laughs> this sort of stuff the no. taiwanese one sounds like it was round <laughs> with a finger it keeps going there's, there's so many different permutations so many different pressings and cuttings that you could endlessly compare things yeah. i don't have them i know people who do have them yeah and eventually i'll borrow them and, and do them you know so oh that's cool well i've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and i love your channel it's great thank you <laughs> i sit down with a cup of tea and watch it <laughs> I really well, like I'm, it, man. i'll make the next one a bit longer for you but <laughs> I, drink it, I drink it quick don't worry <laughs> oh, okay. well it's been um, a pleasure to be on i've really enjoyed talking with you too and thanks for having me on it's been oh great. it's uh Great to have you on. Thank you very much for your time. I really, really appreciate it, man. Okay, thanks a lot. Andrew, have a lovely, lovely night. Nice. Thanks a lot, yeah, you too. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> See night. you, brother. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank <laughs> Bye. you. Bye. Bye.